My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. If you've ever gone to the dentist... Stay with me. I know dentistry uh, triggers some people. I used to have a fear of them as well. But if you go to a good dentist, they are going to prepare you for what you are about to to do. And I I actually like to use my my family as an example of what we're going to talk a little bit about today because it happened recently, right? So, you know, we have to take Isaac to the dentist every six months for a cleaning. And before we do, we play him an episode of a kid's show called Daniel Tiger. And in the show, Daniel goes through the steps of having his teeth cleaned and what it's going to be like at the dentist. So you can have your kids watch it to kind of prepare them for when you actually take them to the dentist office. So that when we do go to the dentist, I could say, okay, let's remember what we saw, right? The dentist is going to do this and this. So let's listen and follow along. Right? Preparing beforehand, before he gets there, so he's not surprised by strange-looking implements and strange-looking tools. And a good dentist will say something like, before they give you an injection, if you're having some work done, this might hurt a bit. Let me put a little bit of numbing agent on your gums before I give you an injection. But But be prepared, this is going to sting. They prepare you before the pain begins. So it's not surprising, right? This is coming. Be prepared. So when you're there laying down, looking up with your mouth open, you're not shocked at what they're about to do. And God does the same thing for us, brothers and sisters, particularly when it comes to fiery trials that we experience in our life or, or suffering. So the title of my sermon this morning simply is Do Not Be surprised. In the reading we heard from St. Peter's epistle, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I think if all of us left with just that first verse in mind and just kept the lesson from that first verse, we would be much better off because St. Peter is telling them in advance A fiery trial is coming. Suffering is coming. Be prepared. And that's what his letter is. This epistle is. And you see this all throughout the epistles. Is that you are enduring some suffering for the sake of Christ. More might come. So be ready. God prepares us. So when we find ourselves in the middle of fiery trials, when we find ourselves in the middle of suffering, when we find ourselves in the middle of events that we couldn't anticipate, when we find ourselves dealing with situations we don't know how to deal with, facing problems we never thought we would ever deal with, God tells us beforehand, these things are going to come. 
And part of the problem, I, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think part of the problem is God tells us these things are going to come. And instead of trying to prepare beforehand or stay faithful in the trial, we try to ask God to take us out of it or try to ask God to let it bypass us. But we need to go through it. Verse 14 in the reading that we heard from 1 Peter 4 says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a murderer. So, uh, so if you read some, some studies and commentaries on this, they note that there's a messianic context here, right? The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Now when we read the Gospels, Jesus sits down in the synagogue, and I believe it's Isaiah 11, and he, say, he opens up the scroll, right? And if you remember the story, what does he read? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to heal the sick, to cast out the demons, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what we see here at St. Peter is taking that language of the Spirit of God resting on Jesus, and he's applying that not just to Jesus, but he's applying that, he says, to you. And sometimes we're so individualistic in our Bible reading and our Bible study when we see you in the New Testament, in the, particularly in the epistles, we think that they're speaking to just one person. But when we see you, particularly in the epistles, it's not just for one person. Where are these letters being read? In gatherings just like this. It's to the group. It's not for one individual, right? It's not like St. Peter is like, you know, man, I heard a lot of stuff. I heard that Barry was really bad, so I'm going to write this whole letter that has to be read publicly in church because I heard the one bad thing Barry. No, it's for the group. Like they'll say everybody was doing stuff, right? Not just Barry. Maybe the pastor was doing stuff too, right? So you're all going to get a letter. It's, all, it's, in, it's not just an individual context. Peter uses this language about the spirit being on Jesus, and he applies that to the group. So in other words, he's saying this, right? So in Isaiah, we see Jesus is the suffering servant, right? So he's saying, as Jesus' people, you're going to share in that as well for his sake, right? We are a messianic people, and if the Messiah suffered, then we will suffer too. But he says, when that happens, he says, Glorify God in that name. What's, what's he talking about? Glorify God in that name of being called a Christian. Right? Because for his context, for his listeners' context of this letter, they were undergoing persecution for the name of Christ, for confessing Christ, for following Christ. And he says there's nothing wrong with that. He says you are blessed because the Spirit of Jesus rests on you. So if he can bear it, you can bear it. And for us, as we read this, it helps us to prepare for ourselves. And he says, do not suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, right? So in other words, if you're going to suffer, rather suffer for being a Christian, for doing what Christ has asked us to do. Don't suffer because you actually did something wrong, right? Because when we follow Jesus, we're not actually doing something wrong, we're doing something right. But if we suffer because we've done something wrong, then that suffering is justified. 
And Jesus' suffering was unjustified. And he says, to glorify God. And we ask ourselves, well, how does it, what does it mean to glorify God? How do we glorify God? And so when we turn to John 17, we hear Jesus' prayer. He says to the Father, he says a couple things. He says, glorify your Son. And then he says, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus' glorification is initially his being lifted up upon the cross. Right? Jesus being lifted up on the cross is how he will draw all people into himself. And it's hard for us to think that the cross is an act of glorification because on the cross he's suffering and dying for us. But it is, it is his act of being glorified. Because what the cross does, seeing the broken and bruised and beaten body of Christ on there, it draws the gaze of broken humanity to the one who assumed an unbroken human nature into his person to restore broken humanity. We see his broken body on the cross. It draws our gaze there to show us that we are healed. But by his stripes, we are healed. So in any sense, I think any suffering that we participate in, in the here and now, for his sake, is also an act of glorification. And this is a hard one for us, brothers and sisters. And I'm thinking about suffering a lot lately because of the work that I do. And it's been on my mind for, for about a month or so in particular. And I've been thinking about suffering and Christian suffering and the nature and the character of Christian suffering. And, we, and turning to the scriptures and seeing how the scriptures talks about how we can take our moments of suffering, our moments of fiery trials and then use them as our act of glorifying God by taking whatever suffering that we are experiencing and uniting it to Christ's. Because if we can do that, if we can take our suffering that we experience and unite that with Christ's suffering on the cross, then it draws the gaze of broken humanity so that we can be redeemed. And it draws those outside of Christ to enter in as well. And Jesus' glorification is shared with us. You know, he says, if anyone would follow me, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. To share in Christ's glorification, on, in, right in the resurrection, we have to share in his glorification in the crucifixion as well. But he shares his glorification with us. He says, this is eternal life, right? To know you and to know me. And then he says he's going to return to the Father, that the glory he had with the Father before the world began, right? So we understand Jesus is eternal with the Father and with the Spirit, equally God. And eternal life is our being given a share in the divine life, a share in the life of God, our own resurrection in the age to come. Jesus shares that with us. And if Jesus can go to the cross for the joy set before him, despising the shame and everything that came with it, this gives us hope that whatever suffering we, we take part in our own lives, whatever we experience in our own lives, we can take that and use it to understand that hope awaits us 
at the end of it. And so in light of this, what do we do? Well, we entrust our souls to the Creator, St. Peter says. And in some ways, that's all we can do because we're never going to be able to figure out how to get out of our fiery trial sometimes. We're never going to be able to figure out how the suffering can end or the cycle we're locked in, how it's going to end. Like we don't always know how it's going to end, how it's going to play out, how long it's going to last. And we don't know and we will never know. So what do we do? Peter says, entrust your soul to the Creator. Entrust your soul to God. Trust that even in the midst of suffering, that Christ is still drawing you to Himself. That in the midst of whatever pain you're experiencing, in the midst of whatever suffering you're experiencing, in the middle of whatever trial you're experiencing, trust that God is drawing you to Himself through His Son. That one day the trial will end. That the suffering will end, possibly in this life, possibly in the next. Definitely in the next, for those of us who are in Christ. So we trust in God's goodness. We trust in His mercy. We trust in His love. We trust in His grace. That even if we don't have the answers, that we can still trust in Him. That even if we don't experience any relief now, that we will through His Son. St. John Chrysostom said, This glory we also shall enjoy according to our measure if we be sober. Wherefore, Paul says, If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of our pain, maybe stop asking ourselves, How can I get out of this? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, What is God trying to show me in this? And how is it transforming me more into the image of his Son? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen.